Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Good evening, welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. We are here with episode 16. Wahoo. And a different guest in the studio than we've had before. Welcome along, Di Henwood. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I um, started listening to you guys early on. A friend of mine, um, Clayton Carpenter, just said, we listened to Tech Podcast, and he said there's a good Kiwi one. And I enjoyed the show, so it's a pleasure to be here. It's great to see you in your geek outfit and to have your pen in your top pocket and those geek glasses (laughs) on. on. I've never seen you like that before. <laughs> to it's be awesome. honest, this is I don't know if I am wearing a black tight top and I'm only a turtleneck away from being too much, too much of an Apple fanboy to be honest. <laughs> Didn't want to say anything. You need to lose a few pounds and you're sort of that, but you've sort of got the Steve Jobs yeah. look. <laughs> I do wish I had his um, bank account though, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I don't think uh don't think there'd be too many people that would turn that one down. Um and uh as usual, Brad Burrows, how are you? I'm superb today. Good. Absolutely superb. We've got a lot to go through tonight. We have. We've we've got a fairly big lineup, but that's that's always the way and always the challenge. So um, we'll dive straight into it. Latest news, tips, and bits and pieces that are going on. Uh, Brad, now you've been trying out this new um, software development kit for the uh, Xbox Connect. Yes. To hook that up into your PC. Tell us about that. So this is really cool. So for those of you that haven't sort of heard, Microsoft released a software development kit or an SDK um, early late last week. And what it allows you to do is plug your Kinect into your PC, like Paul said, but it actually allows you then to start programming and using the Kinect devices. And it's actually quite simple. I'm not a programmer, and I think we've stated that and seen the obvious statements quite a few times. But it, look, we're, we're still waiting for that Windows Phone app you were going to Actually, I was going to give you an update on that one a little bit soon. I've been working on that one. Um, but within about an hour, I had the wireframe man up and running on my Connect, was plugged into my PC, and it, the response is stunning. It is really, really good. Um, and it gives you a whole lot of sample code that you can start building games, applications. It gives you the full voice control, application control, and everything. So if you've got a Connect at home, it's a free download. And I must say, um, with Connect, I'm a bit blasé. I enjoy gaming a lot. Always been big Xbox 360. Got the Connect early. Yep. And um, it was only last Friday that we had it out at a party, and there are people who are non-gamers, and um, my wife and a few of her friends. And I didn't quite realise the enormity of it. Like yep. it actually blew them away because they'd done the bowling and that with the Wii, but the fact that you're seeing it there, and it was when watching it from an outside point of view, went, this is an amazing bit of kit. And I've got so much respect for um, um, them opening it up yep. to PCs and going, hey, people are going to take take this and do what they want with it. And there's an amazing thing that artists are doing with it, of getting movie impressions, and it's got a lot of scope. There's going to be an application, I think almost marketplace, built up around Connect apps that it goes through. And, and being able to control your PC, that you know, I can see things like, you know, I'm trying to work out how I can sort of build an application to control Media Center. So I can sit on the couch and control the entire computer, for instance. But, yeah. I, what, what I want to see is I want to see um, a PC operating system that is installed on a robotic device, some sort of robot that you can then, you know, you can control and you've got this thing. Because the Connect actually sees a room in 3D, yeah. sees all this stuff, there's a whole lot of capabilities that you could use because today, you know, most sort of robotic devices have ve- are very limited in terms of what they can 
do because they can't see around the room properly unless they've got a whole lot of processing capability. And the Connect, which is, what is this, $200 device, you've got this little box with its cameras and bits and pieces that actually scans out the whole room, sees everything in 3D, knows yep. what's going on. Uh, I think there's some interesting possibilities well, there. Well, how about start by gaffer taping a Connect to one of those robotic vacuum cleaners that works its way around? <laughs> <laughs> get, the, get the pet dog or cat or something. You've got something mobile then. Well, if we could uh, somehow link a CPU into our pet and uh, and then link one of these into its head, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of possibilities there. But no, look, I mean, if you want to have a play, it is download. It takes it's a big download. It's about 700 meg all up because it gives you um, a dev environment of Visual Team Studio and a few other little applications. But the um, the guys from the research labs that have done this work have actually given you a few a few apps to play with and a whole lot of sample code to get up and going with it. So. Um, it's worth it. If you've got a Kinect device out there, like Paul said, it's a cheap $200 um, video camera solution straight away, and it's high definition. So it's worth a play, definitely worth a play, and I'm going to keep using it for a while. But is it fair to say that something like Kinect is theoretically Xbox's new device, being that the Xbox 360 is really a 2006-ish piece of yes. sort of software, and everyone's still, even like Nintendo, slightly catching up, but Kinect is now what's going to bring the Xbox forward or are we going to see another implementation of the Xbox? Yeah, probably means they don't need to release a new device for a while. I mean, there were some rumours going around in the last week or so about about (laughs) a new device coming out in 12 months. The 720. Um, But yeah, 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 the Xbox, whatever they're going to call it. Um, I'm not so sure. I think, I mean, they've got a good product there. They don't necessarily need to release something new. Uh, I think in some ways would be some downsides of that, but obviously a new release tends to drive a whole lot more sales as well. I don't know what you think, Brad. Look, the Connect has rebooted the Xbox, if you like. It's mm. got it going. I mean, sales, they were just reading a couple of articles last week, and sales of Xbox, it's the number one device in the US at the moment for, for gaming consoles, again, for the fourth quarter in a row. So, they, like Paul said, they don't really need to do anything right at the moment, but I think if they're not thinking about it, like with the Wii U coming out and all the new devices, they will need to have a new console which will become the home entertainment hub and I think you'll have a different version of the Kinect coming out at some point in time too. But something like the Wii U is not necessarily challenging um, the Xbox on graphics no. or anything. It's sort of up there. Plus it's a device that can't play a DVD. Or Netflix yeah. properly and at I mean, the moment. In terms of, I suppose, in America, the DVD issue is not really there because people are on Netflix, whereas in New Zealand... Exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm l- lucky enough to get on the Netflix bandwagon and it was the best bit of tinkering I'd ever done, to be honest, because yeah, yeah. it is just a joy and it, it works and it is not a hard sort of workaround to get. No. But um, I use it a lot for just playing DVDs, and it has definitely become a home media centre. Yeah, it is. But it needs to be smaller, quieter, um, and it needs Blu-ray, bottom line. Yeah. Even for streaming movies over, streaming Blu-ray movies, until they get that, you want high definition. You want that real Blu-ray, Blu-ray quality. And so. the sound, the sound is an issue. The loudness of it. Because if I'm playing oh, yeah. it late at night with headphones on, I don't realise. Then uh, wife comes into the room, and goes, "What? Have you got a fan on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it can really get going." Yeah. No, definitely. But no, it, it, it is a good play to, uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, and there's a lots of like the open, the, I suppose the open source community is what you can call them at the moment around the Xbox Connect. Um, there's some interesting applications, like you said. There's guys playing the piano in the free air and drawing and everything at the moment, and controlling um, astronomy labs and everything with your hand gestures. It's fear. 
like Paul said, you know, possibilities are endless. Yeah, some of the robotic things are quite cool. Though, you know, I've seen some videos of the AR drone uh, being controlled. In fact, I think we put one up on uh, on the NZ Tech podcast website a while ago. Uh, with some of those early sort of hacks where people were, you know, someone's, you know, lifting his arms in the air and this drone sort of, you know, flying up and so on. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely some cool, cool stuff. I'm sure that will come down the pipeline as, as, uh, as more people dive into this stuff. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I could see it even becoming an amazing teaching tool because it, it could be a very interactive experience for kids to teach them about astronomy or so forth, where they're actually moving things around and a complete interactive experience. Yeah, I think so. And um, what's the movie that you know that had all that that stuff? Minority in Report. The Minority Report stuff. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of sort of possibilities that I don't, you know I don't think have probably been delved into too far in terms of you know what may or may not work. I, I do love though that it now has been pretty much since Minority Report any new gadget is. Oh, that's just like Minority <laughs> Report. <laughs> that's good that's everyone, and it's got closer and closer and closer. We're getting slowly closer to the past. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> will, will we ever catch up? Yeah. <laughs> Back to the future all over again, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All right. Um, now, iOS 5. Di, you've been uh, you've been having a little play around on uh, iPhone or, or is it on your iPad with the new um, yeah. iOS that's sort of currently in, in that sort of, um, you know, developer testing phase? I've gone. I'm, I'm one of the sort of that that tech thing as you guys would know where you can't wait for things where you go I know it's beta but surely it's good enough to run and I'm willing to crash my phone and I've got smart enough to now um, uh, the first um, iPhone I got I got in the States and a friend got it for me so it's completely locked and um, I upgraded it and now it is just completely locked, which is a benefit. <laughs> it's a benefit because I don't, it's sort of that device that is a, a remote, and I'm constantly hassled by my wife for having an extremely expensive remote <laughs> for our Apple TV. But um, I put the iOS on that, and it worked stunningly on that, so I put it onto my normal phone, and I've been using it. I think it's, uh, I find it, what I do enjoy about Apple is they do wait for for um, small updates, which technically uh, you could, from an Android point of view, go, they should have been on there from the get-go, like the widgets that have come on, very, like, um, I had on my Xperia X10, pull down, there they are. Yeah. I'm very based on reminders and so forth. But I've found it on the iPad to be very nice. I like the keyboard because I do type with my thumbs. Um, however, I found it very buggy on the iPad and very crashy, but but not on the iPhone. That's interesting, isn't it? I wonder why uh, why such a big difference? Because you'd think it'd be the same code base. Yeah, I and I think they do over hype it because it's when I'm speaking to someone who's not into tech and they go, "So tell me what the updates are." Yeah, and you're sort of. Oh, um, I can type with my thumbs. That's yeah, really I can, not. Really, <laughs> and yeah. I've got a reminder that can tell me when I go into the supermarket. It tells me <laughs> I need milk, and they went, "Yeah, but I just I I can remember five things <laughs> exactly." <laughs> and, it, and it's little things that I sort of go, "I I really like that idea of lo- location-based stuff." But at the end of the day, it's not a huge advance, really. It's a it's small increments, and um. I was saying to you guys earlier, my big thing is Bluetooth toggling. Yep. So small, but they yep. won't release that. Yet. They still need that for tapping through. Because I, um, I travel with a lot of gadgets, but I like to keep it small. And the best gadget I ever bought was um, a thing called Jawbone Jambox. Oh, yep, yep. Um, Jawbone make the um, sort of in-ear pieces. And um, this is an amazing um, Bluetooth speaker. 
and it's that thing of constantly toggling on and off and I use Bluetooth headphones which I love and that is a big frustration for me and it's something I can't see the benefit for them holding their card so tight to their chest because I mean I don't know whether I'm missing something but how that would really impact them and impact their software if they opened that up. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's, I guess, you know, every platform has its, yeah, its little frustrations where you think, why wouldn't they just do this? Um, I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, and I mean, Apple's not not really the one that's going to give you your open answer to that. But I'm intrigued to see how the iCloud's going to play out because I, I have had a mobile me account, but I ditched that because uh, Gmail I used. Yep. And um, that's why I'm intrigued to see in Mail, I've got a, a far deeper search because the search in Mail on, on Apple is appalling, whereas the Gmail search is superb you don't need um don't need folders and so forth no. so i'm intrigued to see how that plays out and how it really links in to lion because i haven't um i thought i can wait till july for lion to come out so yeah. I, i've actually got lion at home so uh, it's quite interesting i'd be it'd be i'd love to marry up the two together almost and sort of just sort of see well how does it all look with the ios 5 versus the lion interface and get the get the iCloud updates and everything working through from there because yeah, that's the big thing. That's the big unknown, I think, for a lot of people at the moment. Has Apple actually pulled together all the best parts of what Google and Microsoft have been doing and actually got a really good, clean solution? Well, that's like I work um, on a lot of shows. We have different people all writing at the same time in Google Docs. Start, Google Docs started out quite clunky, but they've only just really, they've really got it right now. And that's why I'm a bit worried about this versions that's coming out. Because yeah. writing to me is very important. Yeah. I, I don't like the idea of them taking a file system away from me because I enjoy organising my folders. Mm. I know where things Absolutely. are. I put them there for a reason. Control issues. Yeah. <laughs> I've got deep seated. Yeah. I've got small man syndrome yeah. and control issues. Trust me. jobs issues, yeah. everything going on. Yeah. But so that's something I sort of, I like the idea, but the. You, it's that blind faith of just going, we trust them, it'll work. And if all of a sudden I've lost that version that happens to have the five crucial changes in it, then who knows. But So have you seen versions in Lion? No, I haven't yet. No. I haven't had a play with it yet because we're, we're obviously using Office 365 and yeah. we use the SharePoint versions and we've got all that all the, you know, version control of equivalents. But that's why I want to sort of marry it all up and actually have a complete solution. So... We might have a chat afterwards, and I might do some trading with you on some devices, and we can see what we can see. See how it works out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it'll be certainly good to have a little bit more of a, of a look at those. Now, have we got some timeframes yet on um, we, when we're going to see iOS five? Has that sort of been finalised? Well, no. Uh, no, the only rumours I've sort of seen around the traps have been September, but whether that's because they choose. It's so Apple unusual for Apple, though, isn't it? I mean, usually at you know when when Apple does um, WWDC, they uh, you know they're showing off all this native stuff, and oh, it's available to buy today, and it's just it's all instant. And then here they've sort of come out, oh, we've got some cool new software, no hardware, and yeah, it's coming out in a little little while, sort of. Well, it's the first time I think I've been properly beaten to market, and they've got competitors who have great products and great operating systems, and they felt because usually W WDC, the the iTunes stores down, their web pages yeah. are down, and then they come up because that's your updates out. Here we go, but no, I'm I'm intrigued and. Uh, their, their share price has been dropping quite a lot, and, and they're going to have to come out with something. 
and I don't think it's going to be a device because now they're looking at building that spaceship. In the in the oh yeah the where, where Steve Jobs went and did his own second keynote yes. at the council chambers and that lady was got all <laughs> she got all embarrassed because she had her iPad and she got him to sign his her iPad on the Cambridge um the the um, chambers desk or something hey that's pretty good I must say my um <sighs> my Xbox uh, three sixty is signed by MC Hammer it's not quite Steve Jobs <laughs> <laughs> oh no where did you dig up MC Hammer. They were, he was over here he, for a he, launch. He was over here for, for a bit of a launch. It was a bit of... I, I wish in a way I hadn't seen him in real life. I, I wish I'd just remembered him as the dancing machine he was. <laughs> yeah, he was, a, he was a quarter of the man, really, wasn't he? Yeah. He still had the big pants, but not quite the body or the sort of the hair to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't want to imagine. All right, moving on. Uh, Windows 8. There's a new build that's apparently um, been floating around on, online or that's, you know, a few guys have downloaded. No, I have not downloaded it um, because I, li- I like my job. <laughs> but what I've read about it um, is, look, there's a build number, just as it evaded me right. 7989. Thank you, 7989. Um, and what this is, is everyone's talking. So the way Microsoft works is when they do development, they go milestone one, milestone three. Very rarely now do they do milestone four. It normally goes beta. And then it normally goes maybe beta 2 and then release candidate and then we go what's called release to manufacturing or RTM, which is where you buy it in the shops. Now, everyone's saying that on, on the websites that this is pretty close to a milestone 3 and the next build after this will be the beta build, which we're hoping will come out in September at what they're calling build. Um, this That's the big developers conference, Big developer right? conference, yeah. yeah. So this build that is out now, 7989, um, has a lot of the features. It doesn't have the new start screen that everyone saw um, at D9, but it has a lot of the underlying features that are there. One of the big things that everyone's um, found in it is there's a whole lot of SMS features built into it. So there's a whole lot of mobile computing built directly into the OS. So And it's been put in there so people can program in to the operating system and do SMSing and and that mobile communications and it's all around 3G and 4G communications. So that was the big one of the big updates that people were finding online at this point in time. That's interesting because there was there was a bit of stuff going around a few months ago saying that Windows Phone Seven was going to get superseded by Windows Eight being squeezed onto phones, which sounded like a, a load of uh, rubbish. But um, uh, I mean. I guess it's probably more of a reflection that we're going to see Windows 8 coming into tablets, right, which, which will tend to have Correct. a 3G or 4G capability built in. Uh, I, I mean, I just can't can't see them taking a desktop operating system and squeezing it into a phone. What, what do you think? No, well, I mean, I um, just to jump back a second to um, the SMS sort of thing, I, th- I definitely think that um, communication is now going to become built in yep. a lot more, like even from Apple's point of view, you saw it with the iMessage release and um, the sort of raft of apps that are out there for communicating mm. for three free voice calls, which have really taken on. And when you can communicate off your computer to other phones, like I think that's... That's a thing. And also, just on another point, do you think it'll come out as a physical disc? Because this is what annoys me about Lion, is that you have to download it. So I, and I actually don't know, but my assumption knowing Microsoft will be it will be a physical disc. There will be that option, right? Yep. They'll probably provide multiple ways of doing of, it, of getting it. But you, know. it will, you will be able to go into Harvey Norman's and buy your package of, of Windows 8 or whatever they call it. Because remember, Windows 8 is still the code name. It's not the release name from what Steven Sanofsky said at um, D9. So, but yeah, you will have a, you will have a package because just on that line thing, I was talking, I was listening to a po- another podcast, and at the moment, and this was a guy that's actually got Lion 
a later version than I have, but he was saying that um, to get back, he's actually got to install the previous version and then upgrade. There's no direct path for him at the moment, so he does have to install an older version and then upgrade to line every time he does a rebuild at this point in time. But that's because I've got, I've got friends who have you got five people in one house, all with Macs. Yeah, the, four gigs of download. That yeah. is, there's your cap. Telecom's smiling. Oh, yeah, of course. Of <laughs> Data course. caps, they're going, oh, that 40 gig plan that you just bought, that's gone next week. Yeah, they're, just, they're hoping everyone's moved to Macs by the end of this month. So yeah, when just, the update comes out next month, that they're all downloading it, right? Don't go to Australia, tether your Mac to your phone <laughs> yeah. and, and download yeah. Lion. But no, I mean, yeah, but. From what I understand, they are going to have physical media at this point in time for Windows 8, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, hopefully in September we'll find out a lot more of what's going on. Yeah, because that's still a way off. We're expecting to see Lion uh, next month, right? That's a July uh, July global launch from what I'm hearing. So um, we don't know exactly when in July, do we? No. No, well, uh, they've held everything mm. close to their chest, so we'll see what, see what happens. Yeah, okay. You would think if it was right at the beginning, they would have actually told you the date, but who knows? Maybe they're uh, they're going to impress us and it'll be available July 1, but um, I'm, I'm picking maybe a little bit later in the month. Good, good. Uh, other news. Now, uh, Brad, there were some, some uh, stats floating around in regards to uh, changes in, in Windows and anti-malware capabilities around um, uh, this sort of auto-run malware and, and, and viruses. Yeah, look, one of the key things that was out there was the the malware. I got that right? Malware, yeah. It's yeah oh, right. yeah, you're the malware yeah, I'm the guy. malware, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All the Geek Zone guys are sitting there going, now I'm going to go, the malware, there we go. Um, no, the malware, um, basically what they've done with um, Security Essentials is that they've been really fighting hard against this auto-run malware. That go, I'm going to really focus on that all night now. And basically they've managed to get that on top of, on top of it. So the latest Security Essentials update that's out there at this point in time is they're actually claiming that I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, Paul. I think it was a couple of million new devices have been cleaned up around all the malware and they're basically saying that they've got it under control now, whereas before it was like millions and millions of devices had this simple little auto run. So every time you'd put it in, it would do nasty things to your PC, and and the latest update is fixing it. And I just, when we're scanning for the show, I thought it's a nice thing to let people know that we've at least not just Microsoft, but the Linux guys, the Apple guys, they're getting on top of it because Apple got rid of of theirs as well. Yeah, they did a good job yep. with uh, updates within um, OS X that will capture you know the viruses and basically squeeze them out, which yeah. is. It's great to have the operating system and you know and the you know the Microsofts and the Apples and so on taking some responsibility in that space Correct, rather yeah. than you having to go and buy all of these other antivirus packages to sort of look after it. If that's built in at the core, I, I think that's ideal. Yeah. Well, I think it's also crucial because um, for parents and so forth, a lot of these are coming through supposed antivirus software. Correct. So if you're having virus software that's signed off by a company just going, here's the kit, mm. put it on. And you'll be okay. Well, that's right. I mean, yeah, it's certainly on the app, on the, a lot of these, uh, you know, these recent Mac ones, it's, you know, comes up and says, oh, oh antivirus software. And, uh, you know, people go away and, and click through and think that they're doing a good thing. And, they, and they've looks, done exactly the opposite, right? Because it looks so good. And you put in your password so you feel like you're loading on a lovely piece. <laughs> but um, I also think that Apple's, it's good for them to be honest now that they are a serious market um, share so they are going to seriously be targeted because yep. then no longer the, the sort of the little guys in the corner who no one worried about now they're up and they're 
using getting business shares, so they um, they need to step up. Yeah, I think we've seen that with um, the Google with the um, Android phones too. I think Paul sent me an, an email a couple of weeks ago around there's more malware on the um, Android devices in the marketplace, and that's I think what Microsoft and, and Apple have done really well is that they've got their marketplace in order. It's tight, whereas the Android one has been a bit loose, and we actually start to see a few problems going through there. So yeah, I think that's something that'll probably lock lock down over time. I mean, at the moment, you know, my my story has been, hey, I wouldn't bring an Android device into your business because of those sorts of issues. But you know, if we look at uh, if we look at Google and how they've operated historically, we look at things like YouTube, where there was a lot of sort of illegal and pirated type. Uh, you know, video content that was that was you know getting loaded into it, you know, breaking a few rules, that helped them sort of get mm. in and win some market share. Android's a little bit the same; it's all open and it's loose, and, and people love that. But you know, as they've sort of built up their market share, then they can lock it down a little bit more, uh, which is actually quite a quite a smart technique in some ways. Although, you know, at the moment it's not helping them in the businesses, but they're certainly you know they've got the biggest market share of any smart smartphone platforms. So. But, but to your average consumer, I think a big um, issue with the world now is there's so much choice out there. Like even I thought this last night when I was looking for a book to read on Amazon's site, there's so much I didn't know. And that's like the mm. Android store. There's so many apps. It's not like these have all been signed off. They're all, mm. I can't guarantee the quality of their interface, or, but they're going to work. Mm. Whereas, you know, in Android you go, oh, that's got a cool icon. You know, yeah. and then it's just <laughs> appalling. Why is why is all my contacts gone? Why am I sending out four hundred SMS messages? Every time? <laughs> I don't know. What's all this yeah, yeah. So sometimes I think a smaller amount of choice can be can be a better thing. Yeah. Now, United Airlines they had a bit of a a bit of a hitch the other night. I hear in um, LA and and around the US there were um, tell me more air, airports filling up with people yeah. sitting on their hands, wondering what was going on. And um, the the counter staff weren't able to tell anyone what was going on, and apparently they had a big um, a big outage in their network, uh, which stopped a whole lot of planes taking off. Apparently in LA there were something like two and a half thousand people. Uh, I guess if if that's what what happened at LAX, if you add up all the other airlines uh, airports around the states, probably you know ten thousand plus people. Um, Getting reasonably upset. So don't Australia- tell me this is the delayed Y2K bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, Australia, you have the, you have it's the Y2K. Finally, come! It's arrived, what and it's only affected United. <laughs> but you have, you have you've, got, you've got the ash cloud in Australia today, knocking them out again. You've got you know United. It's just been. Uh, there's been a few weeks of just everything going wrong, hasn't there? Oh, you've got tornadoes in New Plymouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, no, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, not not a good situation for them to have a network outage, and uh, you know, I guess again, it sort of you know, highlights the importance for organisations to uh, you know have secure networks and have have their setups and you know ship shape. And they're not the only airline to have had outages, and you know, I think it was uh, the last sort of big round of viruses a couple of years or so. Ago, we saw a number of the, um, I think, US and and uh, possibly Canadian airlines that got hit, and you know that that took them basically out for uh, you know fairly long periods of time, um, and now we're we're in a position with the airlines where everything's done electronically. I think if we'd taken this back five years ago, and United had had an outage, 
it, it actually wouldn't have mattered because mm. you you uh, you know you turn up and and it's all electronic. In fact, I remember being in a situation uh, stuck in Miami, lost one of my passports, lost my uh, tickets. Now, don't ask me what happened. Um, <laughs> but I turned up at the airline, thought, oh look, it's I've got an electronic booking. They'll be able to look it up. And they said, no, if you haven't got the ticket, then we can't let you on the plane. Now you know today they they just don't care about that sort of stuff because they they're not even you know they don't really look at the paperwork. It's all what the computer says is is what goes right. Yeah, lost one of your passports and what were you doing in my <laughs> <laughs> more than one passport? Did you get asked to bring a suitcase back <laughs> with you or what? I tell you the thing that I still find humorous on a plane though is when they go to do the safety demonstration they still get a big old VHS. Yeah. Put it in and press the big plastic button. <laughs> Just, it's, yeah, we could get into stories about turning your phones off in planes, but I'll start ranting again. Yeah, no, but well, word is, I was talking to um, someone at Air New Zealand. And they're talking Wi-Fi in yeah. the near future, which well, I think is a positive thing. Well, you can go on the U- on the US planes at the moment when you're flying in there. It's you got Wi-Fi on the planes. It's it has been around in a form for a mm. few years, probably going back five, maybe six years. With uh, Boeing had their connection network, which used um, used satellite to get the internet to the plane, and then they had a Wi-Fi signal and internally. And then you just send it around. Then yeah, then you pick that up. So I I caught a flight. I think it was maybe Frankfurt to uh, Singapore, something like that. And uh, you know had had internet access on the flight. You're sitting there thirty thousand feet up, and you you know chatting to people on whatever that bit noisy on the plane to do the old uh, Skype calls and yeah. so on. But that's uh, see, but, I thought that was just an I could you could only do it over um you could only do it over land. Like I was using it last year from LA to New York, yeah, and it was um it was something like fifteen dollars American for the whole flight, but it's that's great. seven hours, yeah. So and just got so much done, and it's so much better than just watching. Now I've seen that Harry Potter yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you watched the Wizard movie? Yeah, I know what Quidditch is. Yeah. <laughs> but seven hours of Angry Birds—that's a serious. Yeah. Now, th- talking about travelling, um, Brad and I have got a trip coming up shortly, and um, we've, we've just been sort of investigating. Well, how we, how are we going to handle that from a uh, data perspective? So we're going to be um, up in LA, and we're doing a special edition or a number of special editions of the podcast that we'll be doing um, live from LA, covering uh, covering a Microsoft event up there. And we'll, we'll we'll detail that a little bit more on the next show, um, but been looking at. You know, how should we handle it? You know, do we take our normal phones and just roam and handle all our data? Um, Because, you know, one of the issues is that we're going to use a lot of data, right? You probably have the same when you travel, Di. Uh, There's that whole challenge of, well, I'd I'd like people still to be able to get to me with their SMSs and, and other bits and pieces from my main number, but actually I don't want to be paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars on data. Um, so you've got that sort of balance of weighing up what to do, you know, when you land somewhere, if you haven't been there before, do I spend my first day running around and organising a SIM card and, you know, jumping through all the hoops? It's It can be a bit of a nightmare, right? Yeah, well, I, I completely agree because I often do the thing, for me, it's with Australia because you get sucked into that thing of, oh, pretty much at home. And there's the, <laughs> the, odd, the odd thing when, you know, I'm just previewing a couple of emails and so forth, but then you get get those couple of crucial ones and you know with your workflow once you start you see i've suddenly forgotten about data for 10 minutes yeah and yeah. then go oh no <laughs> that, that was two beers you just <laughs> yeah, exactly or, and, or 20 yeah yeah well i mean yeah. It, um 
It's now down to what is it, ten dollars a megabyte in Australia, which is still yeah. Well, it, it depends who you're with, and I mean, Vodafone are now down to a dollar a meg in Australia, which is cool. Yeah, but that's consi- pretty good. Considering that locally with Vodafone for ten dollars we get a hundred megs, it's still ten times that. So. You know, if you're used to, oh yeah, I'll get by with a, you know, what what's going to cost you ten here is still going to cost you a hundred there. Yeah, I mean it does. If you're travelling regularly, I suppose it's worth because you can pick up a data plan sim from um from Vodafone Australia or or over in the states. But it is that thing of running around, you're spending, you end up spending good four or five hours. Yeah, you can just waste it. a lot of time running around but with it, that. I mean, my rant is hotel Wi-Fi. <laughs> That um just that crying moment where you get in and it goes oh thirty two dollars for three hundred megabytes or thirty yeah. or thirty megabytes because that um I've just recently done a big trip around Europe and um America and when you get to places and it's just written in yeah it's free, part of the bill. free Wi-Fi yep that's just unlimited a standard and it is so much better than because you can rack up. Easily rack up a couple of hundred dollars yeah. if you're there for a week, oh, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. I always, I always, you know, when I'm travelling, and what I recommend to others is to, you know, when you're booking your hotel, you you actually have to look and work out what is their internet situation before you get there, because if you leave it till you're there, yeah, you are in potentially for a really big, expensive, and annoying surprise, right? Yeah, and also it's worth talking to the um, reception. Because a lot of hotels yep. have a business plan where they go, so actually, we will we'll just do $15 a day and you can go for it. You know, or I've found um, down in Wellington, a couple of hotels, they went, yeah, we do have a $10 rate day plan that's not advertised. But, if, you know, if you <laughs> that's ask... That's for those you go, that complain, uh, right? Yeah, they're, exactly. They're like, oh, we're going to lose this customer. Oh, by the way, you can have it for 10 bucks actually, or maybe you can just have it for free. So so my my rent, Di, you've got your, um, your iPad. I've got a Wi-Fi only one. A lot of hotels still have the wide connections, but no Wi-Fi in the room. And you're going, well, hold on, how do I get wi- We don't have Wi-Fi, I'm sorry, sir. But you can plug it. At- oh, I don't. I've got an iPad. How am I going to get that on board? So why don't they have Wi-Fi hotspots in hotels? It should just be compulsory. It drives well, me mad. They often do. They, well, there's a lot that do, but then you've got a web interface to sort of log yep. into them, and you do that on your iPad. And uh, then you turn your iPad off, or, you know, and it reconnects, and then it, it's it's lost everything, and it, it's, those are a nightmare in it, a lot of cases. So one of the stuff. things that I'll often do is I'll take a, a wireless access point if they've got a Ethernet port, and I'll plug that in, and then you actually everyone in every hotel can use your <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. But it, you know, but it means if if there's a couple of you in the room, if you've got family there and so on. Um, that you've got this one connection that you can that you can use, and I've been in a hotel before, and you know my wife wants to get online, I want to get online. Not it's not just thirty dollars a night now; it's sixty dollars a night yeah. because yeah. because you've actually because it's linked to your device. You log on on your laptop. Oh no, you you can't get on with your uh, your iPad, and your wife's laptop can't get online. Um, you know, so you you could end up with a with a um, you know with a bill that's uh, more expensive than the hotel bill just paying for the data. Yeah, my best experience was at a hotel in Hamilton, and the Wi-Fi was ridiculously expensive. And I was lying; it was a pretty dodgy hotel. And I was lying in my bed. Is that I, where you tend to stay? The dodgy yeah, hotels oh, no, die. No, well, uh, the the guy had booked it because it was had sweet in the title. Like, he thought they were sweets, but it was appalling. And so I was lying in my bed, and I looked at the roof and went. 
it's the router. <laughs> and then on the wall, top of the wall, it said, this is the um, router for the whole hotel. Do not touch it. So all I did is move it down and plugged an Ethernet cable into it. And of course, it bypassed the wireless thing. And then I was just going for it all night. Full I thought access. it was quite a, And that, that's the, the, What's the cali- hotel might pop down so, there. So you were, cali- you were able to watch streaming movies while, while nobody else could probably get online. Yeah, no, exactly, because I was just draining it all out of the, But you know you're in a classy hotel when they've screwed the wireless router to the roof of one room. That's awesome. If Post was down, but Die had his yeah. movies, sir. That was great. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't have a, a VPN that constantly gives me a Hamilton IP address. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what benefit that is. Well, we'll, we'll certainly chat about the uh, the travel topic a little bit more, and uh, and when we when we get away, um, there are a, a range of ways of sort of you know getting the best out of obviously the local telcos because they've got different rates depending on where you are um you know 2 degrees now have that $2.50 a meg um rate which i think is australia us and uk yes which which so. is great so i think they're the cheapest in terms of the casual data they've also got some plans and so is telecom uh, i think telecom have got a plan where you commit uh to $100 and they give you 100 megs but of course, if you just want twenty megs, there isn't a twenty dollar plan, right? So it's all it's bucks. all it's just, all. So that's but, a, that's a dollar a meg. Um, but and then you know and then there's Vodafone <laughs> that, are the, so quick. that are the that are the ten dollar a meg, regardless. But, I think in the states. And I so think a, a little tip, it's pretty messy. A little tip that won't save you money, but um, from from like an eye point. Uh, iPhone point of view, I think if you land, a very good thing to do first is reset your data counter mm. that is in and out. Oh, so, cool. so then you at least can look at the end of the day and go get a handle on how much. Yeah, you and used. you can yeah, you can up. see oh when I'm when I'm getting his emails, <laughs> <laughs> they all seem to be about three meg. Because yeah. he's got some elaborate TIFF signature that comes. Yeah, don't you love <laughs> you that? Big, at- big attachments on Huge, the end of every yeah. email. Yeah, I think our NZ Tech podcast ones are like that. Big logo on the end. So, um, yeah, that you could print out into an A3 poster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put on T-shirts. You know, that's great for guerrilla marketing if someone wants to happen to do that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. but yeah we'll, 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 we'll announce the Live in LA show next week. Are we going to do it next week? Yeah, we'll cover off the details, yep. we'll t- cover off the details of that on the next show. All right, um, right now we have uh, two guests joining us on the NZ Tech Podcast. We have Gabe Gravening from AMD in Seattle. How are you there, Gabe? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great to, uh, great to have you on the show. And we've got uh, David Bremner from Unlimited Realities here in New Zealand. Very good to be here indeed. Great to have you on. Um, David, you can tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. You've been in Seattle with AMD over the last few days. Yeah, it's been very exciting, um, and we brought along uh, one of our, our tech team, and we were able to sit in on the, the technical sessions and really, I guess, uh, learn a lot of uh, new information, but as well as that, to, to show what we'd learnt with the new APUs that uh, AMD were launching, and also to be part of that launch was uh, was pretty exciting, and to show off the new software that we've been we've been working on for the last few months. So as part of um, that, that launch, you've, you've been showing off um, the latest uh, finger taps software um, that Unlimited Reality is, has been developing, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I think the opportunity to take these kind of uh, what have traditionally been in the game space and move them into everyday casual computing and really take advantage of the power of the, uh, of the combination of GPU and CPU in one place um, you know, it made a really good a really good fit for the uh, for the launch to be able to show off, um, you know, everyday computing on uh, on these devices. 
Great. C- can you tell us a little bit about finger taps? This is technology that's designed here in New Zealand, isn't it? Yeah, so we uh, we started in about 2006 uh, with a launch in Germany at the Seabit Show uh, with this technology, which we began even even prior to that. Um, and then really the the move from there was that in 2008 we launched with uh, our partner Dell and a, a range of touch software, and touch has been our focus. And then in uh, January this year, we launched at CES with them uh, worldwide across their consumer product range. So that's not just on touch machines, but on all their machines. That's fantastic. And that was uh, that was pretty exciting. And really, what we want to do is to take that um, that experience we started to create for consumers and uh, be able to apply it across uh, the whole price point, across all different categories of machine. And that's been a real engineering challenge. And it's just been, uh, I guess it's been very exciting for us to, to have access to uh, a, a machine or, or a piece of hardware you put in a machine right through that product range that's still going to deliver um, the kind of experience that we're promoting. And we, we're all about what we call gestural and cinematic applications. So they're applications that have a lot of visual pop and also applications that have uh, really rich user interaction, kind of physical so, simulation. So, so what sort of apps have, uh, have you developed? Um, we've got a whole suite of applications that we we delivered. So we do things like viewers and uh, the ability to purchase your own music, movies, uh, and the ability to edit your own photos. And then, I guess, more creativity tools around sort of drawing, painting, uh, creating your own digital music with like a piano, drum kit, um, synthesizer, and a guitar. Um, you can also learn music using that system. Okay. Uh, we've got... A, a lot of new software we've been working on. So some of the software we showed off at the launch was the some of the software from the new Kids Activity Pack, uh, and that was quite exciting. So that's uh, for uh, you know up to sort of seven-year-old kids to get in and, and solve jigs- jigsaws and, and learn about numeracy and, and stuff like that. That's great, uh, and, it, and that, in a that, really fun way. Oh, okay, and is that software something that our listeners can can buy, or do they need to be buying into a uh, a machine that comes with this bundled? What, what's the available? Ability of of your software. Well, the great thing is at the moment you can actually get some of the software from our website fingertaps.com uh, if you're willing to sign up to our beta program, uh, and there's no charge for that, so that's pretty exciting. Great, we and love then, we love beta testing. We love getting in with all the newer stuff, so that's cool. Exactly, and and our aim is to get this onto a, a lot of new OEM machines, so that when you go into the store and you purchase a new machine, hopefully around Christmas time, you'll be able to get this new suite of. Um, you know, Fusion APU optimized software. So. Great. Oh, that's good. Well, um, talking about the APUs, uh, Gabe, can you tell us a little bit about the um, the new launch from AMD last week? Yeah, sure. So um, last week we had a couple of big events for AMD. First, we had our inaugural developer summit uh, here in Seattle uh, last week. So first one for AMD and uh, and really necessitated by the launch of our uh, Fusion APU processors, which stands for Accelerated Processing Units. And these are uh, a new architecture for AMD that combines really the best of, of the CPU as well as the best of the GPU all on a, on a single die. We launched the first version of this actually back at CES and uh, uh, have had great reception to the uh, to that first product, which was our low power product, and you're finding that in a number of, of devices today, um, and even in the low power space with 
with a really great all-day battery life. It still has a first-class graphics uh, horsepower on it, so DirectX 11 capable graphics, GPU compute, uh, supporting open CL and uh, and direct compute, so, as so, well as a, as a dual core. Go ahead. Right. So, so I mean, this really bring, brings together the capabilities of a, you know, a, a reasonably high-end, um, uh, you know, graphics card type capability on chip with the core uh, CPU. Um, I mean, how low is this unit going to be in terms of power? Will it fit into a tablet? What are the sort of devices we're going to start seeing these initially? Is it uh, desktops and laptops, tablets? Uh, you know, where, where do we expect to see that, that going, I guess, now with these initial releases and then with the, uh, uh, the next releases coming out over the next sort of uh, 12 months or so? Yeah, so, so good question. So the, the Fusion APUs will represent the vast majority of our, of our product line. So you're, we launched at CES the first, uh, the first couple of parts in the low watts, uh, 9 and 18 watt space, uh, which is in netbooks and ultra thin, some very nice uh, designs and even some, um, even some all-in-ones. And then at Computex, a few weeks back, we launched our first, uh, a, a even lower wattage, uh, first ever part specifically for tablets. And that is what we're calling our Z series. And so that is a, a, a six watt part that we um, launched only a couple weeks ago and, uh, and have a couple new tablet, slate tablet uh, designs, Windows 7 based that uh, are launching into market and have announced um, from, uh, uh, from MSI and, uh, and then also a previous one from Acer. And then uh, last week, we brought in sort of the big brother to those parts. So this is the A-series APUs that we launched last week are for mainstream notebooks and that A-series part will also find its way into mainstream desktops and all-in-ones. And so it really, the, the Fusion APU uh, architectures and, and products are making it, its way into a, a range of devices, notebook, tablet, desktop, all-in-one, and, um, and, and all with uh, consistent, the consistent thing about it, as, as you sort of pointed out, was that um, what we call discrete class graphics at every price point and, and uh, across the product line. Now we've got some dual core parts. The ones we launched last week were uh, both dual and also quad core notebook um, variants with extremely powerful uh, discrete graphics. And, and, uh, and so and, and there's a ton of capability. Part of the developer summit is there's a ton of capability that uh, is yet to be unleashed uh, from those products. Uh, again, bring, bringing yeah. together the CPU and the GPU on the same die really. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that sounds interesting. Um, so that, that's going to open up some more opportunities for, I guess, new types of software development that make use of all that processing power being together, right? Is that the, uh, the opportunity there? Yeah, that, that's exactly the opportunity. And, and uh, by putting them on the same die, we, we removed that bottleneck that was inherent to GPU really leveraging the, the GPU cores as compute engines. And, um, and so that's the sort of thing that, that uh, Unlimited Realities does really well in terms of um, 
a, a wide range of, of applications that um, is very visual, is very interactive, uh, and then is is leveraging touch and gestural recognition, which you know we think when we look out at the at the landscape is is really the future of um, of different ways of interacting with your PC. Okay, so the big the big question is, does this put AMD back in the game because you know over the last couple of years you've been taking quite a knocking from from Intel uh, you know what what are we going to see next year that um, that puts you sort of one one step up on Intel well you know I think the um, uh, we'll uh, we'll see how the the reception in the market plays out I mean I'll tell you from the first uh, first series of parts that we launched since CES we had a record in number of design wins in the low power space uh, and had announced um, some 150 design wins uh, on that low power, everything uh, including embedded as well as uh, as uh, uh, thin and light and netbook and, and all-in-ones. And then the mainstream uh, part, again, we've just, um, uh, we've announced a whole slew of, of SKUs that are making their way into the marketplace. So, all in all, I think uh, the the Fusion APU represents a significant bet for for AMD, and and we're seeing okay. um, quite positive traction. Okay, yeah, it, yeah. it was quite impressive at, at launch night to see, for example, one of the apps we showed use soft body physics, which was all computed using direct compute, and then it had uh, screen space, ambient occlusion, very realistic shadows. And it was a kid's jigsaw application, and it ran at a higher frame rate on a lightweight, small form factor Toshiba notebook running a Series A APU than it did on a, on our developers' high-end desktop with two graphics cards. Oh so, wow, that's cool. That is impressive. Well, we're certainly looking forward to seeing where, where that goes. Um, I think there's certainly a lot of interest in the in the tablet end. Are we likely to see uh, Windows-based tablets uh, coming through um, with with the new Fusion uh, APUs next year? Is 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 that what you're expecting? Yeah, there's already uh, there's already a couple tablets in market uh, right now. There's a Acer. Iconia W500, uh, and then a new MSI that's uh, that's hitting the streets any day now. So already a couple in market, and um, you know we'll, we'll be working on more. Okay. Uh, is there is there anything coming out with Windows 8 at all? Can you say anything there or not? Uh, that's uh, still too early to tell on the Windows 8 front. That's cool. Okay, okay. Oh, well, we we really appreciate your time. It's uh, it's been great. Great to get a little bit of an update. Uh, what what's happening with uh, with AMD, and uh, certainly uh, David to hear about um, unlimited realities. Uh, now, where where can uh, where can our listeners go to um, just to download all the latest bits and pieces? Is it ur.co.nz? Is that the right uh, URL? Um, they can uh, get links from there, or they can just go direct to fingertaps.com with two p's. Okay, that's great. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Gabe Grabling and uh, David Bremner. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the NZ Tech Podcast. All right, right now we're going to chat about some uh, some hardware news happening out there. Uh, we in our interview before we heard a little bit about uh, AMD's uh, next generation CPUs and CPUs that are starting to come through. Some other exciting bits and pieces. Uh, Sony Xperia Arc. We've been having a bit of a play around with here in the studio. Oh yes, um, and that is actually quite a sleek little uh, little handset. What do you guys think, Di? Well, I quite like it because. Well, 
I've been stuck in that thing of the iPhone from all of the all of the incarnations of it, and now seeing things that I go, actually, I could move. And now, really, and now going, and I'm not bound because I do um, mail, and it's very easy to get your contacts into into Google. And exactly then just, right, and yeah. then just sort of drink them down. But um, it's I don't know if that's the correct phrase <laughs> for getting your real technical term. They're drink. going to drink my contacts, <laughs> just drink my contacts <laughs> down onto the phone. <laughs> oh, but um, that was delicious. <laughs> but no, there's some there's some nice pieces of kit, and I I was trying out um, the Xperia X10 um, last year when it came out, and that was one that put me in the opposite camp of they just haven't caught up it's not going but now um they're coming out with some very um slick ones and this um the htc just that that feels a bit more robust yeah that's a nice solid handset with a big the big you know 4.3 inch screen and and, as well and the real estate on it really makes me think that the iphone 5 is going to have to match that because now uh, an iPhone screen feels very small, and you can say you can have all but, your Retina displays in that, but that's not really an upgrade for your average consumer. The, no. Whereas, the problem is that Steve Jobs has come out and said nobody ever needs a screen that big, and has sort of you know suggested that they're going to keep, be keeping them smaller. So when he says something, he usually means the opposite. Exactly. About two years time. That's true, isn't it? <laughs> and so that's his little so- aside. But now he's he's shown <laughs> his his tick in poker, and people. <laughs> That that's where he'll be going. Yeah, yeah. But good call. That they're nice. They're nice pieces of kit, and I mean that, especially that um, that Sony Ericsson. And now everyone, I think, to a point, has caught up with the touch screen. Yep. And um, I I like the the lock screens they have where you do, can do your different diagrams and so forth. Although um, I I was showing it to my wife and she very easily found out from my greasy fingers exactly, <laughs> exactly what my pattern was. Oh, that's a bit of flour on the screen. You can sort of hack them. Yeah, well, apparently oh, they do, they do leave a little bit of a trail, so um, yeah, something worth thinking. I guess if you were constantly tapping out your your code, maybe you'd leave the same thing. I don't know, um, but one of the one of the things I have heard about that is people tend to use very regular types of patterns, so it's not as though each individual comes out with a really unique pattern. It's sort of like, oh, I'll do the squiggle that's like this, or I'll do a Z or something like that. So they're not necessarily super unique. Yeah, I uh, mean, which makes them not quite as as secure as maybe tapping out of you know a, a decent password. Yeah, I I think I think for mobile manufacturers. If they want to keep competing on this level of cameras, they need to get off the megapixel bandwagon yes. and um, move into really investing in quality lenses and so forth. Because really, five to eight megapixels is enough. And um, now when people are trying to get up like 18 and 21, it is getting ridiculous because it actually comes down to the sensor and the lens on the camera and surely they'll want to move, start moving towards as sort of a DSLR where you can get focus and depth of field rather than just using filters and for your average consumer I think the camera is the biggest issue because um, the camera is, the best camera you got is the one you got in your pocket and that's the one on your phone. I'm, I'm waiting for a, a 3D camera to come out on a mobile phone or a high definition camera to get a really good idea. Well, I think camera. as Dice says, it is all about the lenses, and we've got the digital SLR in here, one of the Sony ones uh, here, the A55. Um, and even with that, and I think that's a 16 megapixel camera, 
uh, even with the huge sensor it's got, which must be you know probably fifty times as big as what's on your on your camera uh, that's in your phone, if not more, um, it still struggles when you zoom right in at that six, sixteen megapixels. It still struggles to be really clear. So a phone that does anything, you know, even uh, anything more than five at the moment, the the, the lenses and the um, you know and the sensors and so on just aren't up to it, right? Yeah, they can't do, and uh, that is definitely is a size issue because at the end of the day you can't fit that sort of equipment into there and it's interesting here you say a 3D camera I'm sort of a, I fight 3D so do I I actually um, I purchased some glasses so that I can watch 3D in 2D because I, <laughs> I'm, that's awesome because, <laughs> that does the reverse of 3D glasses as I find I have a lot of trouble sometimes with 3D movies unless I'm in that sweet spot yep. and um, I get that flicker and it really goes against my experience unless it's something like um, when Peter Jackson attempts something and is shooting in true 3D yeah, but yeah. these ones where they go we need to get to market with that little bit extra can we bump up something into 3D sort of pretty fake Right now, other hardware coming through. Um, now, uh, Brad, your comment because you had a little bit of a look at the Xperia Arc and and you had sort of slated the la- latest, the the previous Sony Ericsson uh, Xperia we looked at, which was the Play. You yep. didn't really feel it had the responsiveness and so on. Um, but you've had a little bit of a play with the Arc. How do, I mean, how did you find it? This is smoking hot. This is really, really, really good. Really good. I'm, it's the same. It's the same version of Android as before. It was on the other one, but this one works. And maybe it was a. It was because the last one was a real pre-release, but this one certainly just yep. seems to have all that sort of smoothness and so on to it's it. It's just so, gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, if you if Android is the is the flavor and the operating system that you like, it's definitely a, it's a really nice sort of thin, sleek looking handset. Very yep. cool. I, I would love to. That's the sort of phone that you can go. Yeah, I could actually use. I could switch for that one, like like Dice said. Mm. And but. It's that the screen's good, its responsiveness is is iPhone like. If that's the benchmark that we're looking for, um, it feels good in the hand. It yeah, it's just a nice, nice phone. Is it still operating their timescape scenario? They they've seemed to go on for that mediascape and timescape that puts all your um, either Twitter feed or Facebook feed, phone calls, text all into a scrollable. Yeah, up the top there, you can pull it down and everything. Yeah, yes. Yeah, because that's that's something that um, I still getting to grips with, and it's I don't know whether I've just jumped on the bandwagon, but I found that quite um, hard. Like I, I didn't find a nice interface to go through everything, as it sort of tiled it, and yeah. it was more for visual for visual effect rather than UI, I suppose. Yeah, no, they've, they've tiled it and they've, they've spent a lot of time working on it, and making it work because it was a bit um, crude. If yeah, I can say that before, but now now the whole they've they've just got it right. They've really got a nice flavour of Android that works well, and it feels really good to use and it's easy very very clean to use nice now another piece of hardware yes something a real blast from the past oh yeah baby has landed we don't have one but we like this one what 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 is this piece of kit (laughs) Just, I mean, oh, come on. is it true that they're, the Commodore 64 is back? It is back, baby. It is back, and there All are people right. clapping. And <laughs> Yes, the new Commodore 64 is around, and it is here, and it is beautiful. And it looks like the old Commodore 64. So if you are listening online... What, what would you do with this? What are you going to do with a Commodore 64 in this day and No, age? it's got the modern grunt 
of a PC built inside it. So what is it? So it's like a it's like a Commodore sixty four sort of keyboard box thing with the guts ripped out of it or remanufactured to look like an old one and then a PC inside of it? Is that essentially what we've got? Yeah, so what you've got, I'm just looking at the specs right now, you've got a dual-core Atom processor with an NVIDIA graphics chip, 2 gig of RAM, upgradable to 4 gig, 160 gigabyte hard drive, built-in Wi-Fi, but you've got the Commodore old 64 keyboard that you can sit there and click. Remember the clicking? Yeah. And you could click and get that really, really good um, clicking sound. You can got all that back on there. And it has a Blu-ray drive apparently built in on the side as well. It well, that's cool. The Commodore 64 didn't have one of those. No. <laughs> no that's I, smoking good. I think that's definitely going to have a small but passionate market. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be looking at one when we're in LA, I think. <laughs> well, there has to be at least one New Zealand customer that's lining up. Yeah. All right. Two, you, actually. No, Skip's got his hands oh, no, up. Skip wants one I think we well. get one okay, in Guy's well, house and we'll be sorted. Yeah. Okay, well, it's, well, maybe we'll all end up with one. I wonder whether you can still plug your old uh, tape recorder into it and download, yeah. uh, download games and stuff. You'll be able to play back those. You know the geeks would take the uh, tapes and sort of play them back to listen to on their on their way to school, and you'd you know you'd pull off their headphones and have a listen. It's like beep 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 beep, and all these noises coming through. Mastering some sort of audio binary code, or yeah, through a USB cable. It's going to have to convert to USB. That's all it's got. Well, but I yes, guess that cool. you know maybe that's where uh, some of the the first electronic music got its inspirations from. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, well that's us for the week. We will uh, we will be back again with the NZ Tech Podcast again next week. Uh, be sure to look us up online, facebook.com slash NZ Tech Podcast. You'll find us on Twitter at NZ Tech Podcast and, of course, nztechpodcast.com. Uh, now, if we want to find uh, you guys online, Di, where, where are you located? Um, I am at Di Henwood uh, on Twitter, and I'm um, just www.dihenwood.com, and that has sort of all my details for gigs. It's got ingrained with all my Tumblr and all that sort of carry on on there, so you can um, see what's happening. Cool. Um, I think, ironically, if you're listening live right now, it is down until tomorrow morning because it's getting a wee bit of a zhuzh up. I've just actually mo- moved everything over to a, a nice demand. Main provider. Excellent, excellent. Um, and, and which I can you... recommend if anyone's out there. I've just moved to um, hover.com um, for my, to manage my domains because I, I, I was at Go, GoDaddy and I found the interface so uh, oh, yeah. appalling and always upsell. Hover is yep. beautiful and um, everything's, it's just a very, it's a very nice in- interface to use. I had a big issue with um, the DNS on uh, my email address and I sent them an email and they rung me 10 minutes later and they said, hey, we've fixed it all up. Here's what the problem is. We sent you an email as well. And when you're dealing with a company in the States to have that sort of um, customer service, and it's because, you know, you send off an email and you go, I should get one back sometime this week, hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, it's just been actually... um, a pleasure and um, from being such a I found GoDaddy very hard to yeah. to deal with so slowly moved I've got a few domains slowly moved them over nice I'm a guy great. who tends to have a beer think of a good name yeah. <laughs> by the domain <laughs> yeah I know I know that yeah, yeah. Paul, <laughs> Paul, Paul says soon, we have a conversation and Paul will go oh I might buy that domain the next day he's got like three or four of them I'm like oh. yeah squeakypandasheep.com is not <laughs> gonna make, it's never going to be a successful site <laughs> Yes. And uh, on, a, on a side note, Di, um, in terms of what shows have you got coming up around the place, where can, uh, where can we be entertained by you? At the moment, actually, if you're down south, I'm heading down to Queenstown Winterfest cool. for a while. Um, and I'm just sort of performing around and about New Zealand, actually. Um, gigs, gigs come up. I always like to um, tour in New Zealand, but off to New York. 
um, for a friend's wedding and also doing a few shows over there. So so it's all exciting at the moment. Oh, that's great. And otherwise, um, do tune in to Seven Days, which we do on TV3 every um, Friday night Thoroughly at 9.30. entertaining. Awesome. Yeah, it's a good giggle, that so one. So always good times. But hey, thanks so much for having me in. Great. I, I enjoy the podcast. Good. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. It's been yeah. a blast. Definitely. And you can find Brad online at Brad at, B-O-R. Yeah, at Brad Bohr. Yep, and it's my. I can't say what I want to say, but yeah, yeah. it's an off-air comment. Um, and I'm at Paul Spain, just to keep it really simple. Yep. So there you go. All right, well, we'll catch uh, catch you all on the uh, next episode of the NZ Tech Podcast. Thanks very much for listening in. See Cheers. you guys. Cheers. 